The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Podcast, and my guest on the show tonight, or morning time, wherever you are at, is Sassy Steffi. How's it going? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, thank you for coming out of your uh, busy schedule to come on. Hey, no problem. All right. So you've been out of the wrestling business for a year, and you had a baby. I did. It's been a little over a year. My uh, my son is eight months this week, so it's been almost two years, actually, which is crazy. <laughs> wow, that's a long time. Um, so do you see yourself uh, getting back in the ring when your son is a little bit older? Um, that's kind of the plan. Like, I mean, it depends on a lot of other things, too. But, like, you know, your body doesn't bounce back as uh, you would hope it to, uh, would. So, you know, got to get back into shape and all that. And once he's a little bit older and, you know, could be away from mom for a weekend maybe or even go and travel with me a little bit, I would love to come back. That would be fun if he came to see his mom uh, kick butt in the ring. (laughs) Well, I've known uh, many other uh, women wrestlers that have uh, brought their children along with them from small little babies all the way up to, you know, uh, 10, 11, 12 years old, depending on, you know, how old they had their baby yet. I know you're uh, missing the ring. I know you're aching to get back into that ring. I just know it. <laughs> oh, definitely. Like, right now, there are, like, so many women coming up in the business. Like I said, I haven't been doing it for two years. And there's women that, like, you know, when I, right around the time that I got pregnant, like, there was a lot of new girls coming in that I was like, oh, I can't wait to wrestle them. And now there's even more. Like, women's wrestling is, at like, it's just, really awesome because like when I came into the business all the many years ago there wasn't a plethora of women to wrestle I mean there was more than say 20 years ago but you know 10 15 years ago it was starting to get popular women were starting to be taken seriously and you know so there was more women coming around but not like there is today today there's just so many I mean I would imagine there's just about as many women as there are men in the wrestling business now I think so as well. And also the pro uh, wrestling women in the business as well in the Indies uh, get paid more money than the guys, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, it depends, actually. Um, Some companies pay more, some pay less. It really depends. And, you know, you really got to be worth what you're asking for because, you know, you really ask for your, your rate. Well, at least as far as I'm concerned, I ask for my rate if you can't, you know, meet it at me at that well then you know maybe we you know try another time or something but um some people are very (laughs) they're very hard to change they don't they want to pay everybody like as little as possible and it's hard when you get to those kind of companies but i think that you know that's changing a bit in that you know it's becoming a little bit easier for women to find more opportunities within the business and you know if they get paid a little bit more then it's great because i mean we still i don't know if we're still considered an attraction because women's wrestling has become has come so far in the last especially like five six years but um i just think it's amazing like the opportunities that are out there for all the women Oh, I totally agree. Um, you were also one of the few women pro wrestlers 
that wrestled in five different states when you were starting out. That's amazing. Oh, man. Well, I was very lucky. I came into the business um, with uh, Madison Rain, who at the time when I was wrestling her was known as Ashley Lane. And because she had gained such a popularity before I had started wrestling, it was, like like I said, back then, this is like almost 15 years ago, um, you know, women weren't as prevalent. So a lot of times you would have somebody that you would wrestle every weekend so for my first couple months coming in I was wrestling Ashley Lane Mathen Rain or Jessica Havoc or Nevaeh or Angel Dust which I think goes by Zoe Sky now like almost every weekend because those were the only five girls in my area that were traveling a lot I mean there were other women but maybe not traveling as much as the five of us were um did you ever get in the ring with Shotzi Blackheart no no, she was definitely on the list of like when I come back, I want to definitely wrestle her. But obviously, now that she's in WWE, that's been <laughs> a bit harder to come by. I was just wondering. I mean, like, um, she's been everywhere, like Shimmer and Shine, just like you have. I mean, there's so much yeah. great talent in those promotions. Yeah, it's like I said, there's so many opportunities. I mean, mm. when I first came into the business, really the only women's company was Shimmer. And then other, um, there were other ones, but that was the one that was, you know, looked towards as like, oh, you have to try to get there. And that was like my goal. And, you know, we had um, WSU, Women's Superstars Uncensored, I ended up going to as well. And then other ones started popping up like Shine. And, you know, I was just like making, I loved doing all of them because I used to explain it, you know, doing WSU, Shimmer and Shine like apples and oranges you know they're all fruit being they're all professional wrestling but they all give you something different with wrestling like they give you a different flavor of what they're offering you know so i really loved doing all the different companies because i was able to develop and really you know show different sides of myself to different crowds depending on you know what that company was giving to you and before you started off and trained as a pro wrestler as well, you were a ring announcer. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny because when I must have been like 18 or 19 at the time and there was a bar that was literally right around the corner from my house that had wrestling every Tuesday night. And so I called the bar and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not 21, but can I come watch the wrestling show? And they're like, yeah, of course, you just have to leave after the show because obviously we're a bar. I'm like, yeah, no problem. So I went there. I made friends with a lot of people, um, a lot of the wrestlers and stuff, because, you know, I was somebody that looked at wrestling. I loved it. I was such a fan. I took it seriously. I loved it. I mean, obviously, I knew, you know, the back end of things, too. But, you know, I didn't, you know, bug them. or I mean, there was nobody, like, super famous either at this little bar in, in Ohio. But, um, you know, I didn't, like, make them a bit, like, I was like, oh, my God, you're so cool. Oh, sorry, my dog just... <laughs> Yeah, you're you're the famous one, buddy. Yeah, chill out. Um, so anyway, um, I didn't make like a big deal out of them, and like we became friends. And um, one of the one of the commentary guys there um, knew that I was a DJ at a bowling alley, and he came and like I did like eighties nights. I would do different like fun things, trying to get different people into the bowling alley for different events. And he came to a few of them. And one night when their ring announcer was sick, and I was in the crowd. They were like, you know, we need somebody to fill in. Do you mind? And I was like, oh, my God, of course, I don't mind at all, you know. So I did it. And then 
at that time, you know, the only women ring announcers were uh, Lillian Garcia. So it was something rare and uncommon. So that worked out really well for me because then once they found out that I was ring announcing in in this little bar in, in uh, Barberton, Ohio, they asked me, other companies started asking me to ring announce for their company. So I got to travel a bit then too. And then one of the guys asked me, like I was, in southern Ohio somewhere doing a show and one of the guys was like you like wrestling so much and you obviously you respect it like why don't you wrestle and it was just like the light bulb and the epiphany that I needed and I was like oh man why don't I <laughs> so and then from there you started training so were you all pumped yeah um I I looked around there was uh, different schools and like I said at that time wrestling was really starting to like women were really starting to come up because you had um not really the women at WWE so much at the time. Like, you had Trish Stratus and Lita, of course. But, you, you know, it was still kind of the bra and panties era. Um, but you had Ring of Honor with, like, Sarah Del Rey and Mischief and Allison Danger and Daisy, um, cheerleader Melissa, Mercedes Martinez. You had women like this that, you know, I look up to and I'm so blessed to call a lot of them friends now that, you know, I was like, oh, man, I you know, let's, Let's try to figure out this. So there were women coming up in the business who were looking at more of the Ring of Honor style of women's wrestling that wanted to get into it. And so there were a couple of schools in Ohio I checked out. And um, the only one that had, like, a girl that I kind of knew was the one with Ashley Lane, which was OCW Ohio Championship Wrestling. So I went there. I had a tryout. And uh, they were like, yeah, definitely. You can bump. You can run the ropes. You're good let's get this going. So I did and trained for about eight or so months. And then my trainer was like, by the way, your first match is coming up. And I was like, what? Are you sure I'm ready for this? Like, it's intimidating, you know, but you know, I did great. I had fun. I, it was awesome because it was their first all women show that they decided to do was my first match. And I was the first person to come out of the curtain besides the ring announcer and, and, and the um, promoter. And my family was there and a lot of people came to support us. And, like, this high school that we ran at, we, we'd always hold, like, I don't know, maybe 150, 200 people. But, like, the promoter's wife kept coming backstage as, like, we're getting ready. And she's like, um, uh, we ran out of tickets. Well, how many tickets do we print? Oh, 150. Okay, well, then just start, you know, marking on their hands or whatever. And then she comes back later, like, not that long after. And she's like, um, we're at standing room only. And he's like, how much room does this gym hold? And she's like, 300. And he's like, we've never had 300 in this gym before. And then she comes back later like, we don't know where to put anybody anymore. Like, there was so many people that came to the show. And it was, like, so amazing because it was, you know, this really podunk little country town in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. And all these people were coming out to see this first ever women's show for OCW. And, you know, it was my first match. And... It was insane. Like, just hearing that as I'm about to go out, I'm like, I'm going to get the first person out of the curtain that's going to wrestle that night, you know? And I'm like, oh, man, what did I get myself into? This is my first match. Hey, that's pretty awesome. Um, speak, yeah. Hey, speaking of another uh, wrestler you worked with as well, I'm, 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 I know pretty well, is... Um, she is real sassy, just like you, but I think you're more sassier than her, uh, is uh, Jesse Bell. <laughs> Yeah, Jesse, we uh, tagged and shined for uh, probably a good year or maybe even longer. I mean, we uh, we got randomly paired up. We were driving together because I, I was in Ohio, 
and I would drive to Tennessee with her or to get her and then we would drive down to Florida together and we had other people in the car with us from time to time like uh, Ruby Riot was with us a few times uh, Nevaeh was with us a few times and uh, so we had different people in the car with us but it was always us together and they're like hey why don't you guys be a tag team and we're like okay like we didn't really know each other that well because our paths didn't cross really that often but we you know when they were like you guys ride together or work out better for us oh okay no problem it's not that you know it's not directly on the way but it's not out of the way either when i when i would be driving to florida so um yeah and it was cool we had a really good run unfortunately i moved to canada and that kind of really took me out of the equation for um doing um wrestling road trips with them because now it would take over 24 hours to get there and if I had to go out of Tennessee it would take way longer so um you know we just kind of fell out um accidentally and well not accidentally we fell out because they didn't have the option of bringing me in from Canada for every show like like when I was coming from Ohio what was it like to wrestle up in Canada? That's a whole different world up there and the fans and everything and the style. What was that like to be up in Canada wrestling? You know, it, it's not, I don't find it that different. Um, especially the area that I moved to is Montreal. And of course, everybody knows Lufisto and Lufisto's from this area. And, you know, she is, you know, one of the most talented women in the wrestling business. I mean, it's been around for, I don't even know how long. And she's been in the business for as long as I can ever remember. And, you know, I've been doing it for 15 years. I know she's been doing it quite a bit longer than I have. And so, you know, she did a lot for women's wrestling here. Like, she was wrestling at the time because, again, there wasn't a lot of women's wrestling back in the day. You know, she was wrestling a lot of the guys. And so that's, like, a big thing here is, like, a lot of the girls will wrestle the guys. But now there's a lot of women here. So... I don't find it's really that different. Um, where I am, it's a little bit harder for me just because I don't speak French because Quebec is all uh, French. But, um, I mean, most of the girls can speak enough English so that, you know, you can get by. But, you know, if anything goes wrong in the in the wrestling ring, it's kind of hard to, you know, they don't... Uh, a lot of the girls now speak good English, but when I first came here, it was really hard because they weren't, like, speaking a lot of English so it was really hard to kind of put it together a match but you know you still end up doing it because wrestling it's a uh, it's a universal language I found out like there was a couple times at Shimmer I wrestled some of the girls that came over from Japan and I was like oh my god how am I even gonna put together a match with them I don't even know one word in Japanese and it was crazy once we got into working our match out together that it just flowed because it is such a universal language. I mean, look at how many people travel the world on a regular basis, you know, wrestling in different countries that are able to just put together these fantastic matches and they don't speak a word to each other. Oh, I totally agree. Um, also, you've been up to the WWE a few times as well. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, I've done some backstage work for them. Um, I did the Rosebud um thing with Adam Rose a few times and then I did once with No Way Jose just a couple of years ago. Actually my my last match before I got pregnant was actually there at WWE. Um I had a match with Alexandra Bale before the uh SmackDown episode that we were on. So it was really cool. Um you know it's it's a different world because like you know you grow up loving these these characters and these people that you see on TV and then you end up backstage with them and because of, you know, great 
uh, women's promotions like Shimmer and Shine and stuff like that, and a lot of the women coming up in the business and making their way to WWE. But especially the last time that I was there, when I did the No Way Jose thing, you know, I knew Ruby Riot, I knew Bailey, I knew um, Ember Moon. You know, I saw the iconic who I had worked with in you know at Shimmer before, and so it's like crazy. You know, it's like I grew up loving this, and now like a lot of the people that I know and some people that I really consider good friends are there. And so it's really cool when you go backstage. Like the first time I didn't really know anybody or at least I knew people like I'd been on shows with them, but like, for example, like a Seth Rollins, I don't know him, but I've been on shows with him. So like, you know, it was cool. Like, you know, to be backstage with them and be like, Oh wow. Okay. Like this is it. And like seeing how the backstage works and how everyone it's crazy. Like it's, very similar to a backstage area at a regular show. Like, everybody has their own little things going on, except it's on a big, much larger scale. And there's a lot more people working backstage. I bet it is. I bet it's just, like, overwhelming for somebody who's who will be up in a big show like that, man, going, wow. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Like, when you get there, like, you have to remember, like, you're there as part of a job. Mm-hmm. And you can't there and be like oh my god it's john cena or yeah. oh, it's roman reigns or whatever like you have to be like hi you know i'm stephanie how are you nice to meet you and you know keep going about your way and just be professional because i mean remember they're just normal people doing yep. it well exactly you know they're normal people that have really cool jobs um you know just doing a really awesome amazing job that gets to put them on tv and pay-per-views you know that people get to look up to but really you know they just individuals like I'll never forget uh, my first time meeting Natalia I was actually embarrassing story I was at the gym well I, my husband wakes me up one mo- Monday morning and he's like come on we gotta go to the gym I'm like man it's like 8am what are you talking about we gotta go to the gym it's early and he's like no we gotta go to the gym now I'm like okay whatever so I get <laughs> up I throw on a t-shirt I'm not paying attention like I'm tired I'm rolling yeah. out of bed you know I'm put on some gym clothes and I go to the gym and I'm I'm working out, I'm on the treadmill, and I see John Cena and Nikki Bella, they were together at the time, and I'm like, oh shit, man, oh sorry, I don't know if I can cut on this, uh, <laughs> oh man, you know, I'm like, oh, this is embarrassing, like, I didn't, like, get dressed, like, for thinking I was gonna see these people or anything like this, and this is, you know, before I ever worked at WWE, and, uh, so I'm wearing, a one of the companies that I work for in Ohio is called Remix Pro Wrestling and they do a lot of animal shows where a lot of the proceeds go to different uh, animal cares. And uh, so you remember back in the 90s, the WWE had uh, shows called In Your House. Yes. So this particular show that I was on and I got a t-shirt from was called In the Dog House. (laughs) It was the exact same logo as in your house it just added the word dog in there and it's not like it was a black shirt with like white writing or anything yeah. no it was like fluorescent yellow with like bright blue and pink writing on it so i was like oh my god i'm so embarrassed i'm wearing like a wwe t-shirt but it's not it's a ripoff from another <laughs> i'm like oh my god i'm so embarrassed but i went into the locker room after i was done working out and natalia was there and I had never met her, never talked to her, never nothing. But I, she had followed me on uh, Twitter and Instagram because, you know, sometimes that happens, you know, other because they, you know, realize the women coming up, they want to, I don't know, maybe get to know who they are, you know, whatever. But she had followed me, and I'm in the locker room, and I see her, and I'm like, oh, I was like, hey. I was like, Natalia, it's nice to meet you. And she's like, I follow you on Twitter. I was like, 
Yeah, that's awesome. So we got a picture, and like I'm all red from working out and stuff, and wearing this bright yellow in your in the doghouse t-shirt. But it was awesome, and like, but you know, I I figured out there that like they're just regular people, and ever since then, like Natalia is like she's again not a friend but she's an acquaintance somebody like every time I'm at WWE she's always like hey Stephanie how you doing you know hope everything's going well and you know we follow each other on Instagram and Twitter and we you know I'll be like oh good luck tonight or something just to be nice you know so it's really cool like you get to kind of know these people in a sense you know and then like I said I have people that I are that I am actually friends with that are there you know yeah um you also had a a cool friendship with uh Allison Danger as well Allison Danger is my wrestling mom. That is pretty cool. So do you learn a lot from her as well? And you have any inter- interesting stories with you and Allison? Um, well, yeah, I have a few. Um, when So when I first started breaking into the business, um, I, I, again, going to Ring of Honor shows, she was on one, and I happened to walk into the washroom, or the restroom, and I had on a What Would Uncle Jesse Do t-shirt. <laughs> And she's like, uh, she just happened to be in there doing her makeup at that at that particular time. And I was like, oh man, I was like, I really you know like you, blah blah blah, whatever. And I'm just being like a complete mark for her, you know, because uh-huh. at that time I don't know any better. And she's like, oh, that's really nice. She's like, I know the people that make that T-shirt. That's awesome that you're wearing it. I was like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. So then my first year I started wrestling. Um, you know, the first show we did, and they de- the all women show. They decided to do one a year later, like every couple years. So they actually brought Allison in, and I was begging my my um, my uh, trainer. I was like, "Please, please, please, let me work with Allison. Please, 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 please. like put me in a match with her." Fortunately, it didn't work out at the time. But then um, it just so happened that um, they're they were supposed to fly into Columbus, which is closer to where uh, we were wrestling. Mm-hmm. But um, their planes got rerouted to Akron, which was right near where I live. Okay, which I think. That- I met her and Sarah Delray. So I got to pick up Allison and Sarah from the airport, and we went to, like, Bob Evans or something and ate lunch before we went to the show. And I was like, you know, I'm really, like, a big fan. And there was a couple people who had to cancel off the show because of the the storm that we had. Yeah. So it ended up, we were doing um, two Fatal Four Ways, and whoever won those, they were in a match. And then whoever won that got to face, uh, I think, I think it was Ashley Madison at the time was the champion, so they went on to face her at the end of the night. Or whoever was the champion, I don't know who was the cha- whoever was the champion because Madison was actually in my match. Um, so Allison and Sarah put the two matches together, and because Allison knew that like I was like such a big fan of hers, and like she really influenced a lot of the things that I did in wrestling, um, she put me in her match. So I got to work with Allison that way, and then shortly after that, she got pregnant. But she kind of took me under her wing at that time and was, like, telling me, like, I didn't see her on the regular because obviously she wasn't traveling that much. But um, I saw her at Shimmer and places like that, and she kind of took me under her wing and kind of gave me advice and, you know, really helped me out a lot. Um, I wrestled uh, Ring of Honor with uh, Sarah Del Rey as a tag partner once at Sarah and Allison's request. So it was really cool. And then I wrestled Chikara with Sarah also. And that was actually the day that Allison had her baby. Like, Sarah comes, like, rushing over to me. She's like, Allison just had her baby. I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> so, like, I can always remember her daughter's birthday because I can associate both days together. 
<laughs> That's pretty awesome. Now, uh, th- th- I'm going to have fun with this. I-, I know you're a big geek like me. Let's talk a little bit about some let's, – let's geek out on this few stuff. <laughs> All right. You're a big Star Wars fan like me as well. And ever since Disney Plus came out, there was this great show called The Mandalorian. And everybody's been like, you know, hyping about Baby Yoda. But, of course, we know that's not Baby Yoda um, as well, you know. And then you um, were on your social media uh, Twitter page and you mentioned something about Baby Yoda and then it just blew up. Oh, man. Like, I retweeted something from somebody. I don't even remember what it was. It was, like, right after the first episode aired. And, I was, you know, and somebody's, like, replied to it. And then, like, there was just, like, there's a war of, Star Wars people are going back and forth, like, just replying, and because I was in the original tweet, like, replying to it, I got hooked up into it. So for, like, two weeks now, like, I'm like, oh, I have, like, ten Twitter, uh, you know, notifications. (laughs) And none of it's it's to me, it's just arguing about Baby Yoda, and I'm like, somebody take me out of this damn tweet. (laughs) I'm like, oh my god, I regret it so much. That's I think it's going to be like something like, oh, you know, sassy, steppy this or sassy, steppy this. And it has nothing to do with me at all. So I'm like, oh, look, I'm so cool today. No, I'm not. It's just about baby Yoda. (laughs) So uh, what do you think of the Mandalorian so far? Oh, my God. The effect, the show, the way that it's going. It's so intriguing. Like, I'm like, I can't wait every Friday. Like, my husband comes home from work. We, you know, hang out with my baby, and then we put him to bed, and as soon as we put him to bed, Mandalorian's on. Like, that's, like, our, like, wind-down time together now. Like, we love watching it. He actually got me into Star Wars. Probably, I came in right around the time The Force Awakens came out. He was like, you've never seen Star Wars. And I was like, no, I've never seen Star Wars. He's like, oh, my God, we have to change this. So we went out, and we bought every single one of the DVDs. We watched every single one of them, and I was like, all right, I'm hooked. I like it. And actually, I'm looking at my Christmas tree, and half of the ornaments on it are actually Star Wars um, (laughs) ones. And we did, um, my son, when he was born, we did his room Star Wars. We painted it uh, one wall blue, and it has stars on it. And then it has all the Star Wars characters on shelves and stuff like that because we're such big fans. That is awesome. I'm I'm the same way. Um, you know, I've been a fa- um, fan. You know, and by me saying this, I'm pretty old. But I remember when Star Wars first came out. My mom and dad took me when I was like five years old, and you know, ever since I've I've just been hooked. And it's just great, you know, talking to different Star Wars fans and seeing how some of these Star Wars fans, you know, are like you know arguing sometimes, like you about that tweet as well. You know, it's just great to be a Star Wars fan, you know. And then uh, sometimes being a Star Wars fan too, you also get arguments with Trekkies too <laughs> See, that's one thing I never have ever gotten into is Star, is Star Trek so, like if anybody came at me with a Star Trek thing I'd be like yeah you're right I don't know <laughs> I don't know I don't follow it at all I don't understand like I know um, some people that are Trek fans and that's cool like going to comic cons and stuff and seeing people I like it's their own thing you know like not everybody likes Star Wars and that's fine and 
Like, I'm into other nerdy, dorky things that, you know, people aren't into. Like, I'll get really excited about something, like, talking about it, and they're like, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm like, oh, okay, my bad. <laughs> Sorry. And I'm sure that's how some, some Star Trek fans would feel if they talk to me. I'd be like, I just... I don't get it. I'm sorry. That is so funny. Um, since you, uh, since your husband got you in all the Star Wars and you guys are like hooked, um, has he ever showed you the one movie called Fanboys? I don't think I've ever heard of that. What is that? Okay, it's about these um, uh, about these uh, uh, friends uh, that sneak into George Lucas's ranch to see uh, Star Wars Episode One before it came out to the theater, and his and their friend uh, had uh, cancer, so they wanted to take him, you know, to see it before he died and stuff. And and that movie is so great. And um, one of the characters in the movie had a uh, old Chevy van painted up like had Star Wars all over it with an R two D two head on the top of it and everything, and. Um, they um, were trying to get some blueprints to get uh, to break into Lucas's ranch, so they went to this con- uh, like this a uh, convention, and they bumped into uh, they didn't know who was going to give them the plans, and it was like William Shatner, and they're like, they're like, what are you doing? Why are you giving these uh, plans for us to break into George Lucas's ranch? And, uh, and Shatner goes, I'm William Shatner. I can get into anything. <laughs> it was funny. Oh, is this like a legit thing, or was this like? No, it's a legit movie. Um, it has Kristen Bell in it, and there's some uh, young and upcoming actors that started off in that movie, but they're big actors now. And um, they had another scene where they were uh, in Iowa, and um, the one guy who drove the van was a big Han Solo fan. So they were getting in the fight with um, these Trekkies in Iowa. They were standing from this uh, Captain Kirk statue, and they're like, and um, they were getting um, fighting over, saying how Han Solo's a wimp. He goes, "You take." He's like, you take that back. So he backs up the van and uh, knocks down the uh, <laughs> Captain Kirk statue. And then through the whole movie, you see some Trekkies trying to go after him. It's funny. Oh, okay. That's neat. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, it's called Fanboys. <laughs> Every Star Wars fan should see that. It's a great film. And another geek passion of yours, too, is uh, as well as you're a big Harry Potter fan. How would you get into the love of Harry Potter? Well... Okay, so years and years ago, when the books were coming out, I worked at UPS. So when the the last book came out, The Deathly Hollows, um, I went over to a friend's house. Well, I, like I said, I worked at UPS, and we had all the books coming through, going to the different stores. And, of course, we were seeing them two to three weeks before the actual book was supposed to arrive in yeah. the bookstores. Because, you know, they have to get them and put them out in stands and everything, whatever. And, uh, like, on the boxes it says, like, Harry Potter, Deathly Hollows, do not open, uh, like, against the law. Like, <laughs> as, there was, like, extreme rules about these bo- uh, about these boxes of books that you just, and we were getting thousands of these boxes. And I was just like, huh, people are crazy. This is retarded. Like, or I shouldn't say that. That's not a good word. <laughs> people are just insane. People are so PC, and, like, I feel bad because I try to be as PC as possible, too, so, uh, especially now that I have a kid. Um, so, you know, like, people I was like people are crazy, like, who want, who gives a crap about these books, you know? So then I went over to a friend's house who was having, like, a bonfire, and it was, like, the day the book came out, I think, uh-huh. and, like, one of the guys was sitting there, and he was, like, hardcore into it, like, not paying attention to anything else. And I was like, what is the big deal about this book? Like, I don't understand, like, Harry Potter. Like, okay, there's a wizard trying to kill him every year. Who cares? <laughs> like, no, like, 
borrow my book. He gave me the first one. And he was like, just read it. If you don't like it, don't continue. But, you know, at least, you know, read it and see what you think. I'm like, okay, I can do that. So I read it and I was like, oh my God, this is so good. I was like, can I borrow the second one? Sure. Third one? Sure. Fourth one? Sure. He's like, why don't you just go buy the series for yourself? And I was like, okay. So that's what I ended up doing. I went, I read the books. I love them. I watched the movies. Absolutely fell in love with the characters. And, you know, I love, like, it's weird because you don't have a lot of series that don't really have a love story at the yeah. head of it. Like, Star Wars is not really the head of it, but you have Han Solo and Leia. So, you know, there is that love story. And you do have Ron and Hermione towards the end. But, like, the first four years or first four books, like, that's not a thing at all. It's just about these three characters growing up and having these trials and tribulations and having friends and, you know, new experiences. And it's something that's very relatable, especially me at that time. I was going to college. So, like, you know, like, having these new experiences, meeting these new people, going to this new school, like, obviously I wasn't a witch or a wizard, but, you know, <laughs> so you could relate to that a bit, you know, and and then, you know, you have the whole tale of, like, their friendship and how they grow as friends from the very first mm-hmm. book, not knowing each other at the very beginning, to being these three people that, you know, are so tight as friends, and you see, even them, they have their difficult uh, times, I guess, being angsty teens, you could call it, you know, um, in book uh, five, the Goblet of Fire, not Goblet of Fire, that's four, um, but they start to grow apart a little bit because they're angsty and yeah. Harry has going on that, you know, he thinks no one understands, but yet they're trying to understand, they're trying to help him through it, but whatever the case. So, I mean, it's crazy. Harry Potter just it became like such something that I love so much, you know, that I... In fact, I have Harry Potter Christmas ornaments as well. <laughs> That's an awesome tree. Mix of Star Wars and Harry Potter, man. You are a true passionate geek. I love it. <laughs> oh, I, I have a little bit of everything. I, like, I can see Wonder Woman from here. I can see Elsa and Thor. <laughs> and a Christmas story, you know, the leg lamp. Yes. I have that. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I love that movie too, by the way. It was partly shot in Cleveland, which is where I'm from originally, the Cleveland area. Uh-huh. And um, of course, you're from Ohio too, so I, I don't know if you've ever been in the Christmas Story house, but you can yes, actually go to the house. I have. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. And the museum across the street and everything, yep. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. And my husband's like, I've never watched a movie, and it's like 1982 or three. it came mm-hmm. out. He's like, yeah, I'm just not interested. It's just too old. And I'm like, Star Wars is older. Hey, it's a classic film. It's a classic. What's he talking about? Well, here in Canada, it's not. It's yeah. Okay, you know, in the States, TBS, we have it 24 hours a day from Christmas Eve Mm -hmm. to Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. It's not like that here. He's like, no one's ever heard a Christmas story. Like, very few people. I mean, they have because you walk in the Hallmark and they have these Christmas ornaments. That's where I get them. But... Like, it's not a thing here like it is in the States, or especially Ohio, since it's based in part of, you know, Cleveland area. I totally agree with you as well. Um, I have a cousin that lives up in Nova Scotia, and he told me the same story about, you know, certain things he'll bring up. They'll be like, huh, what? (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. There's big differences in a lot of things, and it's crazy because we're not that different. (laughs) Oh, you guys are not at all. And, um... Also, um, you and I are big football fans, too. You're a Browns fan, and I'm a Colts fan. And uh, 
Hey, wait a second. Does does Paul Brown have a team, or is that a high school team? Do you, who are the Bengals? <laughs> yeah, I know it's crazy. This year they're they're awful, which is just crazy because they've always been pretty decent at least. <laughs> yeah. Again, I can't say anything as a Brown fan. You know, two years ago, or two seasons ago, we didn't win any games at all, so I can't say anything. They still have a couple more games to try to win. Hey, that's like me and my Colts. Uh, we have an all right season two since Andrew Luck had to, you know, retire because he really got hurt uh, and stuff. And they brought the. People are really vi- like very, uh, not violent, but very rude about that. I mean, the poor guy is hurt and can't continue to play. And they booed him off the field. I mean, that was just awful. I think so too. And the coming made me mad. But the um, quarterback they have now. He's he's getting better. He's not too bad. I, I'm you know I'm kind of respect him a little bit to uh, put on uh, you know Andrew Luck shoes. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy, of course. And actually, it's funny. One of the um, promoters I used to work for, he um, I was a show in Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. He um, is actually he used to be the scout for the Detroit Lions. Uh-huh. I asked him. Um, one of my cousins wanted tickets to a football game, so I asked him. I was like, "Hey, can you give me tickets to the Detroit game for my my cousin?" And he was like, "I don't work for Detroit anymore. I'm I work for the Colts." I was like, "Oh, really? That's interesting." Like, and then we started talking about the whole Andrew Luck thing and everything. So, but it's crazy, like you know, having that kind of in. Like when my mom passed away several years ago, um, I hope no one from the NFL is listening because they'll probably go like. School clean the uh first energy stadium yeah but um he got me he got me tickets to the browns game because the last big thing that i did for, with my mom before she passed away was we went to a cleveland browns game uh-huh. uh right before christmas and she passed away in in january and uh so that was like the last big thing we did and she was i'm a huge brown fan like diehard but she was like me times a million like <laughs> ridiculous like i have pictures of her with different bounce players from like the the 80s and the 90s and it's just crazy like when her birthday was uh a couple weeks ago and i tweeted to i follow um jennifer matthews which is clay matthews daughter which not clay matthews from the rams but clay matthews from the browns Uh when he in the in the 80s and 90s or maybe just the 90s but anyway my mom was in love with him and i have this picture of her that i keep next to uh her ashes of her, he has his arm around her, and like her face is just like looks like it's melting off of her face because she has so much excitement going on, and I love it. So I tweeted it to um, Jennifer Matthews, which is like I said, Clay Matthews' yeah. daughter, and uh, I was like, you know, my mom loved your dad. I just wanted to show this picture from one daughter to another, and she tweeted back to me, and she's like, that's so sweet. You know, I'm sorry to hear about your mom, whatever. And it was just a really sweet little cute exchange between us, and you know, made me feel really good, like this you know, share that with her, with about her dad and my mom, you know, it was really cute, so, but she was a diehard more than me, so anyway, when my mom passed away and I got her ashes, that, that year, I went to, in fact, it was the last Browns game I've been to, I went to uh, First Energy Stadium, and he had gotten me really, really, really nice tickets, so I spread some of her ashes, which is very much not allowed, um, <laughs> on, on top of the, uh, the entry tent that they go out uh-huh. onto the field. So that my mom could hopefully bring them luck, but unfortunately, she hasn't brought them a Super Bowl ring yet. So we're still waiting for that to happen. Hey, that hey, that's a good story. That kind of gave me a tear in my eye. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> now, uh, tell me about uh, Fireball Run. Oh man, a Fireball Run. Um, it was a show that I did for five five years. 
Um, I start when I was going to college, I was going for um, broadcasting. And the uh, executive producer and the director came to our school. And that's where they were. Fireball Run was a uh, 12-day event. It starts in one city and ends in another. And it's like basically like Trivial Pursuit, but America is your game board. Okay. You know, you know what city you're going to end up in at the end of the day. But you have you get an envelope in the morning in your car and you have to open it and figure out the clues. And you have to go to these different locations that have different, usually historical events or maybe it's important to the community. But they were also doing a lot of charity work in the case. Um, each city that we went to at the end of the day, you had to bring a certain amount of uh, donations, depending on what the city was asking for. One charity would step up, and that would be, like, a lot of the times it was, like, bring book bags full of, like, rulers, crayons, or whatever kids could use for, you know, school. Or, yeah. um, you know, bring canned goods, because Thanksgiving coming up, you know, and we need to feed the homeless. Or, you know, it was, it was very charity-oriented. Um, so what it was is um, the director and uh, the executive producer came to my school, and they're like, we need just a couple of people to help intern. We're starting in your city, and we're going to Bangor, Maine, which was Independence, Ohio, where they were starting. Yeah. So we're like, I was, I was totally in. And they're like, okay, what you need to do is make, like, a, a three-minute-long video telling us why you should be there. I did something so stupidly generic and whatever, and I didn't make it. But my teachers, they were, they were like, please reconsider Stephanie. Give her an interview, and please, like, trust me, she's worth it. So they're like, all right, we'll give her an interview. So they said, your video wasn't very creative. And I, like, walked out of it like, man, I'm not getting this at all. But I ended up getting it, me and four other students. And I had a blast. And it's crazy because these people, they pay a lot of money to be in the event because you have to pay for all your hotel, yeah. food, your, everything, you know. Plus, you're paying all these donations to each city. Plus, you know, gas. And these people have, like, crazy, crazy cars. Like, one woman... um, and she hates to be named by name, but I'll just say she had um, an affiliation with Solo Cup. She's part owner of it. And uh, she had a McLaren, like, cars I'd never even heard of in my life or seen <laughs> in my life. And now I'm, like, face-to-face with them for 12 days straight. Like, I had to learn all this stuff about cars that I had no idea. We had DeLoreans, which are really cool. One team was called the, um, uh, the Team Time Car, which... But they were, they had um, one of the DeLoreans from Back to the Future 3. Nice. They tricked it out, like, had all the sounds, like it had Marty's voice and stuff that would come out of it with playing with certain buttons. But the guy, he dressed up as Doc and went by Doc. And uh, his wife dressed up as um, as uh, Clara. And they did the whole thing. And kids loved it. So that was, like, one thing that would pull people in to, like, check out the cars. like... Oh, and then the whole goal of Fireball Run was we were raising awareness for missing children, which unfortunately the company that um, we were raising awareness for, which was the Child Rescue Network, actually just closed their doors recently due to uh, unfortunate events in other people's lives. But um, they each team would have, like if they came from, let's say, Florida, they would have a, a 40, um, not 40, they would have like 5,000 posters of a missing child from Florida. Okay. Like a team from California would have a missing child poster from California. And they're just trying to raise awareness for all these missing children. Like that was the actual point, but you're having fun along the whole way. Oh, wow. That... Then, yeah. Over the 11 years that they did Fireball Run, um, 
indirectly or directly, I'm not sure, because, you know, you never know how an actual child is recovered. Um, we recovered, helped to recover over 53 missing children. So that means that those children came back to their parents the way they're supposed to. Um, of course, there's other children that unfortunately don't get to come back to anybody, unfortunately. And then we don't consider them in, in that number, obviously. And then there's some people, some children that, let's say, their one parent took them and they're not the custodial parent, but they're doing okay with that parent. Like, let's say, you know, the mother took them somewhere and into another state, but the kid's doing fine. There's no, like, abuse or anything like that. And then they just stay there. So that's not also in that number. So we had 40 teens every year, sometimes more. So to consider that, I mean, 53 missing children, not including the, the other children that we know what happened to them. I mean, it's an amazing number just to be able to say that, hey, 53 missing children that we were looking for actually made it back home to where they were supposed to be. And it's it was, like, amazing. One year when I was in it, we were in Enid, Oklahoma, and the executive producer came up during my show, which is fine. Obviously, he's the boss. He's like, I need the microphone. And I'm doing live broadcast, not only um, on their website, mm-hmm. on YouTube, but on um, the the people that are there experiencing the festivities. There was a big festivity when we would come in because we had all these beautiful cars. And uh, we would, like, some places would have, like, you know, different events going on that you could do. And we had a parade every time we came into the, into the city. So... Um, he goes, I, I need the, I need the microphone. I'm like, absolutely here. You're the boss to it. And one of the children that was in the first season, that was one of the children we were raising awareness for was spotted in Mexico that particular day. And they were making arrangements for them to come back to their custodial parent. And it was just like the goosebumps I got, like, cause up to that point, I think that was my second year up to that point. Like, it was just all fun and games. Like, yeah, okay, we're trying to find this missing child. We're trying to find this missing child. Tell us about your child. Like, what information do you have about this kid's story that we can, maybe somebody watching knows something about them. And uh, so at that point, you know, it was just, for me, it was all talk. But then when he said, like, this child had been found and was in the process of being returned home to the, to the rightful parent, it was like, I got these goosebumps and the story, like, not the story, but it became more personal for me. Like, I just wanted to do everything that I could to try to raise awareness. So, like, sometimes you'll see on my Twitter and my Instagram, like, you'll see me post a poster of a missing child because, you know, even though I'm Fireball Run no longer does this because the executive producer is working on another project now, it's still something that everybody that was a part of Fireball Run is so passionate about, and we're not going to stop sharing these posters until we know the children that we did try to raise awareness for are brought home or we find out, you know, the story behind them and what's going on in their life. Hey, that's a good thing as well. So where can everybody find you on social media? Uh, okay, so Twitter and Instagram, it's Sassy Steffi, all one word, S-A-S-S-Y-S-T-E-P-H-I-E. And then on uh, Facebook, you can find me at official Facebook.com, official Sassy Steffi, all one word on Facebook. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. This was fun. I'd love to talk in wrestling, football, and geek talking with you. <laughs> oh, believe me, I could go on for hours about all of the subjects we've discussed. 
I'll de- I'm definitely going to have you back on the show soon. You were fun. You're one of my fun guests I've ever had on too. So take that as a compliment. Oh, <laughs> like even even though I'm a heel, like 99.9 of the time, I'm really like a super like chill person. <laughs> I just, Everybody says like they, they see my 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 son who is just absolutely like calm and beautiful and perfect and of course that's me i'm mom bias saying that but like everybody's like your kid is so chill he's just like you and i'm like oh that's cool i'm i'm okay with that like for example he's been sleeping in his playpen this whole time and not making a peep at all you know all you heard was my dog bark the one time Uh, speaking of your dog trying to be the star on here as well i'll tell you a quick funny story um uh, um, I know uh, this one professional wrestler. I'm good friends with him. Uh, he goes by the name of a sexy Sean Casey. Oh, I know Sean Casey. Yeah, and he has a uh, a dog he takes with him everywhere, uh, uh, everywhere he goes, called Amiga. And that dog is more popular than him of, of every locker room or anywhere he goes. It's just great that dog. Yeah, I remember I was on a couple shows with him many, many, many years ago. And I remember, maybe it's the same dog, maybe it's not, uh, but he would always have a dog with him. Always, always, always. And I thought that was so cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. Not all, not all places are that accommodating to dogs, because <laughs> I've tried to take my dog to a couple shows, and people are like, really? I'm like, okay, I guess not. <laughs> hey, you got to remember, he's... <laughs> You gotta remember this. He's sexy, Sean Casey. Everybody says yes to him. <laughs> yeah, so. Hey, what do you suspect? Oh. He, he was in Playgirl twice. I mean, why not? <laughs> I mean, yeah, to each their own. <laughs> that was funny. I had to share that story with you. <laughs> I just love that dog. <laughs> uh, dogs are the best. I remember I, I spoke about Remix a little bit earlier. Uh-huh. Um, there was one show that I took my dog to. I had him walk me out. And he's a Boston Terrier, so he's not a particularly large dog. He's a medium to small sized dog. And uh, I took him out to the ring with me, and he walked me around. And then I gave him off to somebody else to take to the back. And I think he was more over than I was. Like, people were like, can we take a picture with your dog? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'd be in it at least. But <laughs> Speaking of Remix Pro... Um, I've been to a couple of their shows as well, and um, I'm, I'm friends with uh, you know uh, Mr. Parsons, who goes by Magnum CK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know who he is. Yeah, very well. That guy's entertaining, but another guy that entertained me there as well. I'm good friends with him too. Is you got to love Jock Sampson, man. Oh, Jock Sampson is one of the most hilarious people in the entire world. I love that guy. Um, it was so funny because he's a uh, he's a I don't know if he's big into hockey. I know he is big into football. Uh-huh. But uh, my husband met Jock and thought he was hilarious, too. And so, like, occasionally, like, when Columbus plays Montreal, they'll get into a little uh, battle of uh, who's going to win, you know, kind of kind of joking with each other kind of thing. But it's a lot of fun. He just, uh, he's a hilarious person. And, like, his wife, like, I can only imagine that she's laughing, like, 23 out of the 24 hours a day. She's probably sleeping that one other hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had him on not too long ago, and he was so surprised, man. I did some heavily research on this guy because, you know, I, I got to know him as well for going up to War Ohio shows in Lima, and um, I got in some stuff he totally forgot about, and I was like, well, tell me about your country music career, and he's like, how'd you find out about that? <laughs> Oh, I didn't even know that. So if you ever talk to him, at, at, 
Yeah, ask him about his country music career. Uh, he'll be like, how'd you find that out? And you can just like, uh, Robin from a Wrestle Podcast. <laughs> definitely a small world yeah yeah and ask him to sing you a song too it's a hoot <laughs> but anyways i'm not sure <laughs> i don't think we've, we've done karaoke at some of the after shows but now i'm not 100 percent sure i think i've heard him sing though oh that's great so if you see him be like oh. a, few, a few too many times so maybe it was somebody else but i think it was him <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you see him go, huh, you were a country uh, music singer, and then ask him about the stories how the, there's this one uh, a woman that was staring at him while he was on stage playing at a bar, and he thought she was so beautiful, but when he got up close, she had just some messed up teeth. <laughs> He's, well, it is Ohio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I've been living in Ohio for years now, but I'm originally from California, I grew up in California, and then speaking of- Why would you- Ohio from California. Well, it was getting too expensive, and um, I couldn't afford to live out there anymore, and um, I had family up here. And then speaking of Canada, uh, my mom is from Canada as well. She's from Hamilton, Ontario, so that's kind of cool. Oh, yeah, that's a couple hours from here. Exactly. And my next trip is to go up to Canada to see some uh, Canadi- um, see some pro wrestling in Canada. I haven't got a chance, and that's like on my bucket list, so it's going to be fun. Oh, there's, there's a lot of great shows in Canada. Um Especially if you go to Ontario, Smash is probably, I would say, probably the biggest. Mm-hmm. And then Ottawa has a couple of good shows. Montreal has IWS. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's good shows everywhere, but, I mean, those are probably, you know, your biggest ones. Like, if you're going to find, like, a lot of information, you're probably going to see those names come up the most, Smash and IWS and C4. I think so too, and um, I know Chris Chambers that also runs Super Kicked Pro Wrestling. I wouldn't mind seeing the Super Kicked show. Oh, yeah, definitely. I forgot. Yeah, super kick. Yeah, definitely. All right. And like I said, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, no problem. Like I said, uh, anytime I can talk about geeky stuff and football and all that, in fact, it's just perfect time. I got 15 minutes to to get on and watch the Browns game. So Okay, uh, I know. I got I to gotta, uh, catch up and see how my Colts are doing as well. One more last question before we get off. Uh, <laughs> Marvel or DC? You know, it's crazy because my favorite superhero is Wonder Woman, and the Wonder Woman movie was amazing. <laughs> but, but overall, it's definitely Marvel for me. Oh, boo! No, I'm just kidding. Give me a hard time. So, like, I, I, there's the I find the Marvel movies, or I don't read comics. Okay, so I don't want okay. anybody to be like, oh, you know. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I. First and foremost, I do not read the comics, so sorry about that. But the movies, as far as they're concerned, with the visual effects and the mm-hmm. storytelling, because storytelling is a big thing for me, too, because yeah. being in wrestling, obviously, yeah. and I'm very old school when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, so just the way that they bring the movies together and the visual effects, the story, the amount of emotional like feeling I feel towards the movies is more Marvel. DC, I just feel like it doesn't bring it, like, the last two Batmans besides Dark Knight, like, I'm just like, meh, <laughs> whatever, Not, it, it doesn't do it for me, like I said, Wonder Woman and uh, Aquaman were amazing, amazing, and I haven't seen the new Joker yet, although that's on my list, but that's amazing. having a kid and trying to find time to go do some, like, extracurricular activities, like going to the movies is so hard, like, I want to go see Frozen 2 so bad, and... I don't know if I'm going to get there or not, especially with Christmas coming up. There's, it's such a busy time. But 
you know, it just, for me, it's just, uh, DC doesn't add up when it comes to the storytelling aspect of it when Marvel just blows it out of the water. I, I totally agree with, the, uh, with you with the movie-wise, but DC does kick butt in the uh, TV shows and animated uh, uh, movies and stuff. They they blow Marvel away on that. And then speaking how you like Wonder Woman, Woman next year uh, we'll get that Wonder Woman sequel 1984, which is going to probably be a fun one too. Yeah, definitely. I'll be hopefully one of the first people online there. Hopefully my schedule, my my son won't be as hard to uh, take <laughs> care of it. Having a baby, it's hard to go anywhere with the baby yeah. because he's going to be not happy and hungry at different times. But, you know, in a year, hopefully he'll be able to be able to handle sitting in a there or maybe just drop him off at his grandma's house for a couple hours. We'll be. That's pretty cool. Another great DC movie I really enjoyed as well. I mean, I enjoyed, you know, uh, you know, the Christian Bell's Batman and I enjoyed the Michael Keaton's Batman films. But I actually enjoyed Shazam. I thought Shazam was a fun, cool movie. I, I like Shazam too. Like, it's not one that you would typically consider. Like, like I was like, uh, I don't know. It was like one night it was on um, on demand and I was like, eh, I don't know. Do I want to? Do I not want to? Uh-huh. My husband's like, yeah, we should watch it. And we did and we both enjoyed it. So it was really good. And the cool thing about it is now uh, The Rock is going to be Black Adam in a Black Adam movie. And a cool thing, I know you don't read comics, but there's a group of heroes that's going to be in a Black Adam movie. Of course, it's uh, the JSA, the Justice Society of America. So I'm a little pumped about that, too. So <laughs> Something I'll have to look into so that I can... You know, see what all the hype's about then. Yeah, uh, but definitely go see Joker. Joker was great. Joaquin Phoenix nailed it. You're gonna love it. Yeah, it's it's on one of the uh, one of the things I'm like I have to go see. Just um, the amount of like I said, finding time. And like I said, Frozen Two is also out. Yeah, I didn't even see Maleficent. Maleficent is my favorite Disney villain of all time. So it's just it's harder to get to the movies. Oh, I totally agree. And like I said, uh, thank you so much. And every- having me. Oh, it was fun. I'm definitely going to have you on again. You're fun. <laughs> well, thank you. And everybody else, uh, thank you for listening to Wrestle Podcast. You can follow Wrestle Podcast on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcast City Network at podcastcity.net, Hidden the Marks Podcast Network. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook at Wrestle Podcast One and on Twitter at Wrestle Podcast at Rob Kicks. And everybody, have a great weekend. <laughs>